Welcome Bible Chapel family. It is great to be with you this weekend. I want to welcome all our campuses, South Hills, Robinson, Ross Straver, Washington, Wilkinsburg, and DeBerry. Man, what a gift of technology that we can gather together. If you're new with us, as Ron already said, welcome. We would love for you to be part of our Bible Chapel family. Now this is a family that just celebrated this week our 56th birthday. Think about that. 56 years of developing followers of Jesus Christ. So, so Ron and I, we've been doing these devotions every day, 12, 15 p.m., and we were hoping they would catch on. People would share them, and it's been great. You guys have interacted so well, but we never thought it would take Ron running around like a kid on a playground and going down a slide to get the most comments and views. If you missed that, first off, make sure you're getting those devotionals. And second, check out this video from this past Wednesday. There he goes. <laughs> oh, he's so happy I shared that. I love when he wipes out at the bottom of the slide. Uh, in all seriousness, I've been amazed. If you've been on Facebook, Instagram, the amount of comments we have gotten from that video has been tremendous. So many of you sharing when you joined the Bible Chapel family. Some of you said you've been with us since the beginning on Circle Drive, some for 20 years, 10. Some of you, you're recent, just the past year. It's been amazing to see and look back and hear all of your reflections on how God has used you, our church family, to develop followers of Jesus Christ over 50 years. And here's the deal. I'm so confident the way that I have seen us, the body of Christ, rise up during this time, connection, care. I heard uh, this week that we've had over 100 meals go out because of you all and your service to the Lord. I believe we're going to come out of this situation stronger than ever. God's going to use, us, use this to build us up for the next 50 years. So let's pray. I want to thank God. I want to thank God for 56 years of ministry. And as always, we've been anchored in God's word. So we're going to get right into God's word and let's ask him to lead us today. Father, we come before you and we praise you and thank you. Amazing 56 years of ministry. And it's been founded on your word. John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. We want to do that today. We want to hear from you. As always, let the words that come out of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be honoring and acceptable to you, O oh God. Teach us today. In Christ's name, amen. So with all the digital media uh, going on with COVID-19, there's been a lot of videos that have gone viral, meaning they got so many views and shares. And one of the first ones I saw was of a couple, John and Ann Klein from Montgomery, Alabama. Here's a picture of the couple. They've been married for 45 years. Before COVID-19, John had his routine down pat. He, he was a distinguished professor at Troy University. He would teach there during the day. He would drive 45 miles back home to the nursing home where Anne is at now. John has been visiting his sweet Anne, who he calls, for 17 years now as she has battled Alzheimer's. Now, when Alabama, like most states, had to put restrictions on visitors with assisted living and nursing homes, that, that disrupted John's routine. 
but he was determined. He was determined to keep visiting his sweet aunt. Instead of sitting with her in her room now, he stands outside her window every day and he either sings hymns with her or they go through scripture together and he is determined to stay connected. Here's what he said in one interview about the video about to show you. He says this, he says, I've always said how much I love her till death do us part. If she gets where she doesn't know me, I will still go see her because I will still know her. John said familiar hymns and scripture always jogs her memory. In the video I'm gonna show you, was one that a, that a nursing home employee took. John put this on Facebook. And he only did about a 45 second clip. They're, they're singing first, Jesus loves the little children. Then they sing amazing grace. And when Anne forgets a line, John goes, come on, you know this verse, check out this video. Yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Powerful video of John and Ann. And on his Facebook page, he posted just that 45 second clip and he said, not my best singing, so you probably won't want to listen. I cut it off at 45 seconds. I love my sweet Ann and look forward to spending eternity with her. God bless you for even looking. Then he says, if you listen, well, that was because you wanted to hear Ann. The video cuts off right before they sing that, that famous final verse, right? That promise that we know of God. They, they sing, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. That's the promise they cling to. That's the promise many of us cling to today. Eternity with the living God for those who have trusted in Jesus Christ. And if we're honest, eternity also brings a lot of questions. For instance, how, how is John so confident he would even recognize Anne in heaven? What is heaven going to be like? What will our bodies look like? How will they function in eternity? Maybe you have some of those questions as well, because that's a question that the Corinthians has found in 1 Corinthians 15. So if you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, or if you have your Bible app, go ahead and open that up. Our series has been the series called Immovable. We get that title from the last verse in this series. In verse 58, we hear from Paul. He says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that is in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Remember, Paul wrote this when he was in Ephesus. He heard that there were issues in the church in Corinth, and he wrote to them addressing each issue individually. When it came to the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of believers, he spent this entire chapter, chapter 15, addressing questions. There's four areas we've been hitting in this series. First week, we hit the resurrection of Jesus. If you remember Ron, show three proofs of Jesus's resurrection. 
He says, first off, changed lives is a proof. He says that Jesus was raised up according to the scriptures. And he says that he appeared to over 500 people, including me. Two weeks ago, when we were in the second section of the series, we looked at the resurrection of believers. And we showed that the bodily resurrection of Jesus is tightly connected. It is bound together with the resurrection of believers. And that leads us to the final two sections that we're going to cover this week and next. And I want to see that these two go together. These two go together. The resurrected body and the eternal victory believers have through Jesus. Today, we're going to go through more in understanding. Paul is going to break down what we should know. And he's going to set us up that next week, we're going to look at application. Based off all we have learned, what do we do now? We've been talking about eternity. How does that affect us today? I want to remind you, Paul is writing to believers. So when we look at the resurrected body today, if you have never trusted in Jesus Christ, this is not a promise for you right now. Our prayer as you hear this truth, that God would use it to draw you into a relationship with his son. For believers, I hope this encourages you. This affirms who you are in Jesus Christ. It's a promise for you. And that's why, as we look at five truths of the resurrected body of a believer, we're going to make this personal. Every truth is going to start with my resurrected body. This is a promise to you and me. So let's go. What's the questions that Paul was looking at? Look at verse 35. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? Paul in verse 36, he first calls them out and says, how foolish or foolish ones. He's saying, um, you should know this by now. I'm assuming maybe Paul had taught this before to the Corinthians, but he's saying you should have known this. But, but either way, Paul now is going to use everyday experiences, these everyday metaphors to make the incomprehensible intelligible. Here's what I mean. In the verses we're going to hit, 36 through 49, Although there are aspects of the resurrected body that we may never know about now in this life, it's incomprehensible to us. God does not leave us in the dark. He has given us plenty to have a general understanding of what these resurrected bodies will look like and function like. So let's begin as we break this down, go back to verse 36. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen into each kind of seed its own body. The first illustration he gives is picture a seed and the plant. Just as the seed looks remarkably different. The quality of the plant, there is a natural connection of identity from the seed to the plant. That's the first link we see. There is a connection between the natural body we have now that goes into the ground and the resurrected body that will sprout forth at the coming of Jesus Christ. Go back to verse 38. This is so, so good to hear. God says that he gives it a body as he has chosen into each kind of seed its own body. Think about it. Have you ever planted a cucumber seed and got a watermelon? No, right? Or you're like me, I don't plant anything. I just go to the store. That's the purpose of a store, right? I just buy my produce there, right? 
But no, everything we buy, right, that growing plant, it is directly linked to the seed. So what Paul was saying first is, yes, the resurrected body is going to be drastically different than the natural body, but there's also a direct link. The identity of the natural body will be connected to the identity of our resurrected body. Here's the first truth we learn. My resurrected body will maintain in some capacity my God-given identity. I always go to Jesus's resurrected body, the best example. Mary Magdalene in John 20, right? She thinks he's the gardener. She doesn't recognize him as first until scripture says she heard his voice. She recognized that same voice before his crucifixion. When he appeared to his disciples, they recognized him. They ate with him. They drank with him. They talked to him. Jesus says, it's me. It is me. Go back to Luke. Luke says this in Luke 24. Jesus tells him, see my hands and my feet that it is I myself. Touch me and see. And think about it. How could Paul, how could Paul use earlier in this chapter that he appeared, Jesus, over 500 people? How could Paul use that as a proof of his resurrection if he didn't look the same or similar to before his crucifixion. So we infer from scripture that first and foremost, in some capacity, the God-given identity we have in our natural body will carry over into our resurrected body. We're gonna come back to that because that is so important for you and I today, but let's keep going. Look at verse uh, 39 as we continue. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind and the glory of the earthly body of another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory for the moon, another glory of the stars, and for star differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. Going back to the resurrected body of Jesus, again, the identity carried over in his resurrected body, but there was a completely different level of quality in his resurrected body. It was of not of this world. Think about it. We see in scripture that, that the gospel writers made it clear. At times the doors were locked and Jesus literally would just appear and disappear at will. There was another level to the resurrected body when it comes to quality. So here's the second truth we see. My resurrected body will be perfectly designed for the new heaven and earth, my eternal home. Paul says, he uses, again, these illustrations from everyday life. He says, just as God has created bodies uniquely for their natural habitat, right? Birds for the air, animals for the land, fish for the sea. He will create your resurrected body uniquely and perfectly for your final home, the new heaven and earth. I wanna pause here for a second. I wanna go back to questions you may have. Some of you may have lost loved ones and you have questions about the resurrected body. Maybe, tragically, you or you know a loved one who have lost a baby, an infant, and you might wonder, what will their body be like 
in a resurrected state? Will they be an infant in the resurrected body or the adult version of themselves? Maybe you have a loved one who lived a, a long life, trusted in Jesus, and maybe at 100 years old they passed, and you wonder, will the resurrected body be at that age, 100, or the younger version of themselves? Some may say, well, well, the scripture says we're going to be like Jesus's glorious body. We know Jesus was crucified in his 30s, so maybe everybody in the resurrected state will be right around that age of 30. Great questions, right? Here's the deal. We don't know right now the full answer. And that, that just scratches the surface. I know you might have many more questions. So here's why I share all that. When you find yourself having more questions than answers when it comes to eternity, it comes to the resurrected body, cling to what scripture clearly tells us. Scripture clearly states right here, our resurrected body will be perfectly designed for the new heaven and earth. You will be of the age of perfection. No more sin, no more physical limitations, no more disease, no more death. You can rest in knowing that fact that your body to come in that resurrected state will be perfectly designed for our final eternal home. I like to say it this way, as the cool guy from Men's Warehouse would put it, you're going to like the way you look, I guarantee it. I know that was horrible. Uh, when I told my wife I was going to do that, I said I would try the voice. But honestly, that's accurate. Don't worry about that. When we get to eternity, we're going to love the way we look because our God has it perfectly already worked out. We're going to be of the age of perfection. All right, now Paul, broadly speaking, does give us a glimpse with three big, broad words that distinct the resurrected body from the natural body. Check this out. Go back to verse 42. Paul says, what is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body and it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. I love this section. I love this section. Paul separates our natural body now to the resurrected body to come. He says our natural body is perishable. It has a shelf life. It's dishonorable because of our fallen nature and sin. It's dishonored by it goes back into the dust upon death. And it's weak. Why? We know this. We can't stop physical death. Paul says, but whoa, the resurrected body, completely opposite. Our next promise is that my resurrected body will be imperishable, glorious, and powerful. Think about it. That's what the human heart longs for. Every human heart, right? Honor, glory, power, longevity. We see that in the, the health and wellness industries, the plastic surgery industries. People will do anything to extend the life of their body and to enhance their body image. 
Think about, just think about the money we spend on body image in our country. Groupon with uh, the New York Post did a study in 2017. Here's what they found. Think about this. On average, a person in our country on body image alone will spend up to $200,000 on body image. And many believe why that number continues to skyrocket is for what Time Magazine called in 2016 the toxic mirror of social media. The pressure on body image is like never before. Dr. Nancy Merrimore, she's actually from Pittsburgh, she wrote an article on, on how a body image today is so hard to, to, to consider yourself uh, in a good state. And she targets more on helping young women. So what she says here is focused on younger women, but really this is a truth for all of us. Listen to what uh, Dr. Merrimore says. Social media has become a way to put these false images right in your field of vision, whether you opt for them or not. You can turn off a movie, you can close a magazine, or consciously you can step back from a billboard but not so with social media. If young women want to know what someone is doing today or stay connected to their friends, they have to turn it on. Insecure women and girls may use social media to try to feel better about themselves, yet using it will probably make them feel worse. People on social media constantly post what? Their best life, their perfect picture. And it puts this level of pressure on everyone that their body image has to be compared to others. I, I like this uh, picture. I think it's accurate. Any family ever go to Disneyland? That's the picture we put online, right? But let's, let's be real. That's reality. Worn out, exhausted, kids screaming. But no, 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 no. That's not the image everyone has to see. That's the post on Facebook and Instagram. I'm just using that one, but it's serious. Many look at the body image persona that others post, and that's what dictates their identity and significance. So what's the answer, right? What's the answer? Should we get rid of social media? No, it's not going anywhere. The hidden issue needs addressed. Where do you find your significance? Where do you cling to when it comes to your identity? Where do you get your present body image. If it is not God and God alone who dictates that, you're always going to feel empty. You're always going to be hard on yourself. And I want to say this to you. If you have ever doubted, look at me right now, wherever you're at in your home, if you have ever doubted your physical looks, the gifts that you have, you're doubting your creator the one who uniquely created you from the moment you were in your mother's womb and the one who uniquely is gonna set you up for the resurrected body to come. You see, there's that beautiful, we're going back, right, to that natural connection of the natural body to the resurrected body. Listen to what scripture says about who designed you. Psalm 100, verse three, it says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made you. God made you. David, remember Psalm 139, he reminds us, for God formed my inward parts. He knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, Lord, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Stop comparing yourself to other people. They don't dictate your body image. They don't dictate your value. 
and think about the magnitude of this truth. The God of the universe says, I love you right now, how unique you are. I'm going to take that identity I started in conception for you, and I'm taking it with me to eternity. Just like Jesus, right? His identity continued, that physical identity. God says, you're so valuable to me. I'm taking that identity into eternity. That's the, the truth we see here. My resurrected body, man, my future resurrected body, that is what should impact my present body image. You can say with confidence, you can say with confidence this, my God does not plan to replace me. No, 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 no. He plans to transform me into the greatest version of myself, into the imperishable, glorious, powerful version of myself. You can say hashtag like Jesus. That's how much God values me right now. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Tonight, tonight, I want you to look yourself in the mirror. And don't you dare ever again pick yourself apart. The way you look, the gifts you have, don't let outside voices dictate your value, your body image. I want you to look yourself in the mirror every single day and understand that your creator who formed you in your mother's womb is gonna take that beautiful identity into eternity. So you're gonna say this. You're gonna say these four lines every single day. You're gonna say, it is God who made me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It is God who will transform me. And it is God who defines me. Right now, wherever you're at, if you're in your living room, wherever you're at, you say this right now. This is straight from scripture of who you are. It is God who made me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It is God who will transform me. It is God who defines me. Dad, you tell your daughter that today, whether she's four years old or 40 years old. That's who we are. That's how much our creator values us now. He dictates my value. One more, look at verses 45 through 49. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven, as was the man of dust. So also are those who are of the dust, and as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. A little confusing right now. I'm going to wrap this up nicely for you. Just as we have been born the image of the man of dust, we also shall bear the image of the man of heaven. Here's what Paul's doing. He's going back to this contrast he started in verse 22, where he compared Adam to Jesus. Going back to verse 22, if you remember, we saw this. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. He's just bringing that comparison back up to wrap up this point. He's saying in Adam... Because of Adam and sin that entered the human race, our natural body, with all its brokenness, affected by uh, our sin, we inherited that from Adam. Well, just as guaranteed that is, and we're all sinners, even greater is the guarantee of the spiritual resurrected body we will get that we inherit from the last Adam, Jesus. 
Think about Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, this beautiful, beautiful picture Paul gives us. But our citizenship is in heaven. That's our home, right? And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who? What will Jesus do? By the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, he will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious bodies. Our natural bodies break down all the time, right? Aging. It reminds us that we first belong to Adam. But as believers, our promised resurrected body reminds us we now belong to Jesus. And because of that last one, my resurrected body is a done deal. Money in the bank is over, guaranteed. My resurrected body is secure. Paul says in verse 39, if one belongs to Jesus, your resurrected body is just as confirmed as your natural body now. Therefore, for those who desire an end to COVID-19, for those who desire an end to all evil and suffering, our hope is in the done deal resurrected body to come when all of that is gone. And I want to go to end here in Revelation, Revelation chapter 21, where, when John is given this picture of that final place for us in our resurrected body, what will that be like? Paul, uh, John says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And what will happen there? Well, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither thou shall there should be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Who craves for that? No more mourning. No more phone calls or texts with the bad news. No more crying. No more standing by the casket wondering why. No more betrayal, rejection. No more broken relationships, done. No more cancer. No more Alzheimer's. No more physical limitations of any kind. No more bullying. No more homelessness. No more famine. No more war. Why? Because sin and death, and everything that causes death is gone. That's the promise of the believer who knows that their resurrected body and that resurrected body suitable for that perfect final home of the new heaven and earth is a done deal. So this is why with confidence, I'm gonna ask you if you're willing, stand up. I don't care if you're in your home, wherever you're at, if you're driving, don't stand up, obviously. Keep your eyes on the road. But we're gonna sing this song loud and with confidence because our future resurrected body means we have the Spirit of God in us now, which gives us resurrection power to proclaim freedom to a world who is desperate to know. And what an opportunity during COVID-19 to say, I have resurrection power now. We're gonna sing, I have resurrection power living on the inside, Jesus, because you have given us freedom 
No more sin and darkness. It's a done deal. Defeated. Because I have Jesus. And Jesus alone is the one who gives us freedom. Father, we come before you and we sing that praise now together as one church. Because of Jesus, we have freedom in him. We have the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit to guide his church. Therefore, let us honor him and worship him and praise him now together as we sing about our resurrection power in Christ. 